0: Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Weird Things. I'm Ander joined by Brian Brushwood. Haha, I faked you out that time. I, I lifted the cup to my mouth, but I did not drink. 50 50 chance I'd call somebody Brian.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Justin Robert Young. Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew Main. Uh, I may have said that already, but I like my name. So, gentlemen, it's a great uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing weird. Nothing weird this week. Move along.
0: What? That can't Wait, be. That's it. it's We're done with the episode? This is the shortest I think the episode. The show's done. done. Good,
1: we just, the end of weird.
0: Does that mean we get
2: to go straight to uh, picks? Shoot. Is, no, is, there's is, nothing to pick. Is <laughs> really
0: wait? You're telling no, me I that kid, we live in I a kid. world gotcha. where both nothing was weird and <laughs> nobody liked anything of worth.
1: Nothing, gentlemen, gentlemen. I kid, I kid. We had what could be a earth-shaking, shattering, even major technology announcement that could change the world as we know it by shaking and shattering things that could revolutionized the tech landscape. Never have we seen something so much promise in quite some time and never have we been this skeptical given who delivered this news.
2: Okay, Uh, my brain just short-circuited. Is this about the Microsoft holographic display thing, the
1: the holo goggles? Brian, I'm playing Minecraft on your head right now. I'm sorry, what was that?
2: (laughs) Is is that what it is?
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, So here's the thing the caveat: we're gonna we're gonna wax philosophical, enthusiastic about this, but we're we're very very keenly aware, and we'll get into this. Is that uh, uh, everything? There's there's been an occasion where you know you've had some sort of video demo from a major technology company showing you something they want to deliver, and then what you get is not that shiny future. Mm. And I have never seen a video of a tech demonstration of a product that. Uh the only the, like the most earth-changing ones I can think of the the original iPhone original iPhone you know demo but we're like this is shipping this is going to be this was amazing cuz you looked at like all these great things we wanted to do all in one little thing was really cool uh that was amazing the potential of Google Glass to an extent but that was one of these things that once you got more details you realized it was a, a smaller version than what we thought it was but I would say Microsoft's Hololens has been the most exciting tech demo I can remember in almost ten years. Can I, can, can I
2: confess something? I uh, I read the article about it about somebody who had experienced it. I'm seeing this video for the first time. I this, is, uh,
1: this is, there's a better oh is there? You've got to watch. You've got to watch the actual um, the key to like a like live presentation. No, there, no. There's another. There's a better demo. The one that shows the the Minecraft and all that. Ah. Uh. Yeah, the one
2: we're seeing right now, it's basically a guy uh whipping menus around uh Minority Report style, which by the way, how futuristic did Minority Report feel 7 years ago and how dated does it feel now like waving your arms around how d- and you, you got to put on a gizmo, right?
1: All right, you got to go to go to go to I'm going to the Microsoft holo type in Microsoft Hollands. By the go way, that, that video site.
0: seems like a, a, a 70s pornography is about to arrive. <laughs> I don't know what home. you're watching. That's uh,
2: uh it's uh, it was the first thing that came up when I typed in uh, Microsoft holographic display. That's that's, uh, no, that's no, HoloLens. Microsoft HoloLens. demo Got themed pornography <laughs> that he
1: uh, keeps uh, on on tap. Microsoft official Hollands official site. Play the we'll play the audio over this so you guys can hear it, but we highly recommend you go check it out. Okay, here Justin will give us a play by play. Oh my is gosh, all around this
2: us. is already beautiful B roll. We use it in. Every aspect of our lives.
1: So somebody is a Microsoft fan. Amazing so This
0: is very artfully shot black and further. white footage.
1: That's what our role does, so guys. What if we could go beyond the screen. <laughs> oh my We're
0: gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so the guy, and the guy lifts
2: his hands, world. and all of a sudden, you have overlays of now virtual objects all over his house, tracking this
1: in real time. Is the world with holograms. So there's there we- like. The weather display is an actual beach cabin cartoon oh, okay, graphic sitting on it. his chopping block. He doesn't
2: have a TV. He just needs a blank area I'm on his, his wall so forward. it can overlay a virtual TV there. The tank. Uh, I'll tell you what, as cartoonish and as outrageous as this looks right now, I don't see any reason it couldn't be... How things going
1: your end? possible we'll it, Brian just, okay. give me, just tell me what you're talking about tell me all,
2: right, sure. all right all right. so so we're seeing people walk around and it's perfectly motion tracked overlaid uh the world all around them his entire living room just filled with what looks like Legos but in fact is Minecraft
1: yeah so my Minecraft models start you, sitting uh, on top of tables uh, and couches everything right, else every flat surface here. becomes a place for it to rest and so now a, a father Who is guiding his daughter
0: it. through how to fix and a drain uh, as it actually, the, the directions physically And A man is now on stepping
1: day. onto Mars. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it looks like he's about to start putting. <laughs> yeah.
1: and Mars mini
2: golf. The and then some dumb action. idiots using dead trees to draw with
1: crayons on making a rocket. He's doing a... He's r- making a rocket using his hands to interface through the display. When you change the way you see the world... in this uh, loner in his basement's playing with his Minecraft. The world.
2: <laughs>
1: this guy made this... Took this child's toy and made it real. Brian mocked him. Uh, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Dude. So like somebody's wall just turned into like a 3D display through their 3D it, it, yeah. It breaks Minecraft.
2: a hole through his wall and uh, thank he thank God. The door.
1: There's a
0: new way to use Netflix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what? What wow. Microsoft has unveiled here is they call it Hololens, and what separates this from Oculus Rift and from other uh, the uh, the Sony's project and uh, Samsung Gear is that it's a Augmented reality or mixed reality. You put these glasses on, and this is what we believe Leap Magic, we've talked about before, is working on too. You put on these glasses and it overlays these things into your world. So if you're sitting in front of your computer, And you're playing – you could have let's say a virtual chess board sit next to you that you could look at. You could look at your wall and your wall could become all sorts of video displays, your Twitter feed, whatever. A guy turns around. He's in his living room. All of his little Minecraft things are all over so he can sit on the floor and play with his Minecraft and wonder why he doesn't have a date. You have people designing a motorcycle. (laughs) Dude, he can can rent a date with this thing, man. You don't need actual meet women. Come on. Dude, uh, Problem solved. So the girl sitting at her desk designing a motorcycle, and this motorcycle floats in three dimension next to her desk. Then she gets up and walks over to maybe it's a real motorcycle. What I love about this is we've talked about this before is the idea of augmented reality, not just the reality where you put on the helmet and you're separated from the rest of the world, the reality you talk, where, where it blends in. We put on these things, and, and the HoloLens, what it's supposed to be, it's a self-contained unit. The computer and everything's built inside of there. Microsoft says they have a special microprocessor, a holographic processor, which renders this. It creates a left and a right field for your eyes and then overlays the images there. You could put these things on. We could go put these on. We could go to the park and we could have an a uh, battle with real with orcs. And we'd look like the biggest dorks in the world, but we wouldn't care because we're in the middle of Lord of the Rings. Still
0: not as big a dorks as people playing Frisbee golf.
2: (laughs) True that. Dude, I love Frisbee golf. Don't don't bag. I used to live in a a golf course community. We had a nine-hole Frisbee golf, and (laughs) and I played it every weekend. Keep going.
0: Keep going, Brian. Keep going. It's only going to get cooler the more you talk about
2: it. Uh, So people are asking in the chat. Carl was asking if if there's any way that you won't look like a dork wearing it around. I think they were very careful to only show this in work environments and at home. They, They didn't show any kind of I don't think you ever really saw somebody casually socially in public. Wearing these, which is the difference with Google Glass. Google Glass acted like everybody's just going to look super oh, cool within years.
0: Everyone's going to have Google
1: Glass. Just ask Diana von Fostenberg, who we paid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's exactly Brian, and that's that's the chief difference. Is that where Google Glass was trying to sell a new interface or new way of interacting, like a phone or an iPod? Microsoft was saying this is the, this is a this is a different kind of thing you can do. Where Google Glass was like, hey. You don't have to pull out your phone to ignore people. You can just stare at their face and ignore them, where this is like, oh, no. Imagine when you have this blended reality, and it is a compelling, exciting, fascinating vision of the future. And by and- the way,
0: demoed. Demoed by journalists. Journalists went through and, and went through a demo with these, and the results, uh, you know, by and large, are very, very positive. Uh, they, they very much... Played like it did in the demo. They were able to see things on the wall. They were instantly transported to Mars. They played Minecraft. Uh, One, uh, the dude at Gizmodo, who I heard on Daily Tech News Show, talked about playing the Minecraft demo, uh, breaking his wall, like the physical wall there, and having revealed a cave behind what was his, his physical wall.
2: Uh, And and what's funny is by definition, these demos always end up 10 years later being the most laughably – Insepid or in, in, in insipid is that Incipid. a word? insipid uh, uh, I'm mashing it with intrepid. <laughs> they, they they they
0: become that, the, that's an amazing mashup. They, they, I really they, want they, to find a use for that word. It's work.
2: intrepidly insipid. Uh, it, it, they they turn out to be like the most unoriginal, thoughtless things on the planet, you know. It's like with the Atari 2600, you know, it's like, I don't know, you move blocks around and bonk stuff, and then later you get stuff like Pitfall and you have actual characters and adventures.
1: True, true. I think that what Mike and so Microsoft's you know, reaction to the people are like, well, what, when is it? They say this will happen within the Windows 10 timeframe, which is only Microsoft knows what that means.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, and I agree with you, Brian. Normally, demos are kind of, uh, you know, in hindsight, laughable. However, I think, you know, Google Glass, that initial demo still holds up for what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be a young, hip device that gave you relevant details on the go. Now, that's not what happened. That's not what the product turned out to be. This, similarly, has a very dialed-in focus on who they would want to, or who they see having this. This is a lot of people in their house, a lot of people that have houses, you know, that have uh, a little bit of space, people at work. You know, it it is very much a Microsoft demo, and they do a great job uh, exploring it. However, I feel, Andrew, now we are about to get into... The elephant in the room right, well, about real, microsoft having awesome demos real right? quick before we before we do let me let me say another
2: good things on the positive side here uh, Microsoft is sort of a, a clunky, dorky dinosaur caught in the past in that they still mainly cater. They try to act like they don't. But the bulk of their business still comes from people using workstations or desktop PCs. Uh, there, With all this talk about ah, the desktop PCs going away, uh, you know, I am somebody, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, I go to my office, I sit down in front of my monstrous 37-inch television, and that is the only way I want a game. I want to be fully immersed. I want to sit in my comfortable chair and explore this world. Uh, it is encouraging to me that this is a device that would cater to older, dorkier, uh, immersive demographics because they're not trying to be cool on-the-go mobile devices. They're not trying to be, uh, you know, laptops and, and handhelds for the millennials. This feels like something. That's what Surface is for, Brian. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, they they are doing that, and it's not doing well. It's not beating Apple. You know, this is something they they. It seems like this is playing
0: to people over 40 years old who have money and have houses. And I well, think that could work. And before we get into anything else, understand that this is Satya Nadella, the new CEO of Microsoft. This is his first, he is putting his Nadellas on the table. Uh, <laughs> and we will see how that plays out. And I think it is uh, a a interesting, you know, it's very ambitious. If this pans out, it's certainly I think in terms of what the narrative is for Microsoft kind of changes things a little and maybe they're not what we will now discuss, I I think, uh, has been their legacy about big, gigantic projects like this.
1: So I I think that what we saw, what we saw, if that is delivered and it's not a million dollars a headset – and there's a way for developers to create in it and do that. And Microsoft doesn't just rely on the developers of Microsoft creates some great stuff for it, like use their Minecraft, you know, ownership and all that. If they do that, I think it is a game changer. I think it is where, you know, the iPhone drew the Apple drew a circle around where a lot of things we wanted to be able to do with our phones and a lot of their ideas on how we should interact with them, the idea of touch interface, the way touch worked. Now it seems obvious. It wasn't then. They did that, and they took other, you know, other ideas that were floating around, and said, "This is where this needs to be." And then we watched that evolve into things like iPad, stuff like that. And it's changed everything. It's changed everything. I think that the way Google did cloud services, you know, Microsoft, and when we, where we every few years we get this thing that changes everything after it. With this, if this happens, if what we get is what this is, what it looks like, it's a game changer. I was excited when Google first announced Glass because. Somebody put this out great. Somebody made a quote about this. They said, Microsoft HoloLens looks like what we thought Google Glass was going to be. Well, and that's absolutely
2: true for one Andrew Main, because I remember, I remember you lamenting repeatedly. That's like, well, it could be so cool if it was overlaid augmented reality. Why aren't they doing that? And then, you know, and obviously it turns out that they just didn't want to. They're they, they like, we think you want a side screen uh, on at all times and a camera. And that's uh, apparently not the case.
1: So – what we have here is we have a very exciting for a potential. So for audio lenses, again, what this is, it's it's a bulky looking thing, but you put this on your head, and yes, you look like an idiot, but you're inside your house, in your entire house, everything becomes an interface. It's Microsoft's vision of saying, you know what, we're gonna get rid of the computer entirely, you know, we're gonna yeah. get rid of this, and it's gonna become everything becomes the interface. As Brian wants the bigger interface, everything becomes the bigger interface, everything becomes that. And it's not a thing that you're going to be wearing from the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep. You know, it's, it's something that you wear when you need to. And now, they have somewhat of an impractical – they show a woman Skyping with it, which, you know, I don't know. They, you don't yeah. see her face.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I think they were doing a very good job
1: to use the IP
0: that they own for Yeah. stuff.
1: Now, what's clever here, what they do is we never – almost never see in this demo video a shot of somebody face-on yes. using this. It's all from their point of view. It's all it's from all their from, point of view. You see the back were, of their head on everything. Yeah, where you know Google and trying to sell you on Google Glass. You know they spent millions and millions on telling you how fashionable it was, but not how useful it was. And that was just that was one of the signs that Google Glass. You know they say you know like you go to their their website for Google Glass like hey you know we're just taking our first big step. Oh you can't buy one. But uh, you know, that was a big mistake, I think, on Google's behalf was that it just there was not that killer application. The first time you put on a Google Glass, you're like, Oh, that's it. You know. <laughs> yeah, right? The first oh, time
0: so, so Brian, know- that's that's what that, that dude yeah. is explaining in the demo where he explodes his actual wall and sees into a Minecraft
1: world. Right, right. It looks like the it. guy's got a virtual dog next to him, too. I'm not sure. And part of what makes this technology work is he has this, it's this glass system. It's a, a HoloLens, rather. It maps your environment around you. So it, it takes a look at what your room is like, the geometry of wherever you are. There's a lot of technological, amazing things they're trying to do. Now, the thing that has me worried is a few years ago, Microsoft demoed a technology that they said was going to be widespread, put in just about everything, and was going to be the future. And that was Kinect. Well oh, yeah. Connect was a great piece of technology when you were using it in a Microsoft designed environment and you were a person who fit their profile and everything else. Connect, when everything was optimum, was great. When you started putting Kinects into millions of living rooms across the world you had a very frustrating experience because it just was not reliable. Not not unlike you know, like Apple had that problem with Maps. The map the, the first map stuff weren't that reliable. Siri took longer than than Google Voice. Now they're the same speed, but so many people were frustrated by that early experience that it's they don't want to go back to it. And so that's that's a big danger. Is you can put out a technology that's got in great in the perfect situation works wonderfully. And then that Sony points out Leap Motion, that was the little box that you could attach to your computer to track your hands in space. That had the same issues. You know that was going to, was going to be an exciting thing, but it's just they weren't. They were they were smart enough to work in the right situation to work really accurately. But they so, were.
0: So to robust. your point, Andrew, Nadella has said that all the APIs for Hololens will be included in Windows 10. It will be an opened. Uh, an open developing platform they want people to explore the limits of this as they wound up hacking around uh, connect and stuff and stuff like that they they want they want to embrace that
1: yeah and that and that's that's great but what they also need to do is is you know not just wait for the de- you know the uh, the iPhone had a year where there was no other third party apps for it where apple was selling it purely on the stuff that apple created for it apple apps and stuff and that was – Brian touched his nose. Well, so. yeah,
2: because, because that's what I was going to say is the problem is – and this is Microsoft's historical problem. It's the problem with the Kinect. The question is what does the Kinect do? And the answer is anything. If the answer is anything, the answer is nothing. You need to be able to buy it and only be able to use it. You know, um, uh, When everybody bought their, their, their original Nintendo Entertainment System, half the people – for the rest of their lives, only played Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers, the two games that came with it. Never bought another game, didn't have to buy another game. They paid 100 and something, dollars, got that NES, played those two games, and that's it. When you bought your iPhone, you could buy your iPhone conceivably today, even in the age with the App Store having a bazillion things, and never bother to download a single app. In fact, there's a number of people who do exactly that. They download, uh, there were some averages that were released a while ago, where there's most people download one or two apps maximum
1: or something. Uh, it- Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, so yeah, you think about it, you when you when you get your stock iPhone or Android device. For many, you know, Google and Apple worked really, really hard to make great email apps, great browsers, great do the things you want to go do. And this out of the box, they do fantastic stuff by themselves. Correct. To to put out a you know the the and that was that was you know there was the, you know ten years ago the idea is oh, we'll put this hardware out there and let people figure out how to do it which yeah. no No
2: more like this is something that's going to live thrive and die based on developers and the problem is developers say we want to see an install base and you're not going to see an install base without a killer app this is why the Tesla succeeded where others failed is they identified one niche of the market that wouldn't ever care if Tesla ever became ubiquitous wouldn't ever care if electric cars became commonplace they knew that the high end customer would pay a crap ton of money for the roadster and they targeted it and it was with that funding that it made everything else possible iPhone was the same thing they didn't know that there would ever be an app store but they knew that people you know once everybody went nuts for the iphone they're like hey how about we have an app store for this this is the problem i can't say what the killer app for this is Uh, i i could play minecraft without this and i don't know that it's i mean it'll be a, a spectacle with it I don't know that I'll be able to build any faster, uh, play any better. I'll have no competitive advantage as a result of having this. Same thing with Skype. Uh, I mean, it's like, sure, it's gee whiz to have your dad draw arrows around the pipes uh, uh, you know, to teach you how to, to change something. But I do Yeah, don't, your dad's drawn arrows around my pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that, that functionally there's anything you get out of this that you wouldn't have with, uh,
0: w- with, with, it, with
2: any other number of solutions. So here's the
0: other thing. Remember that demo that I told you the journalists uh went through and came back really, really positive? That was not with the device that we see in that video oh. uh, They were barred from bringing in cameras to take pictures of it, but uh it was described as exposed circuitry uh not just a headpiece, it also had another thing that you were dangling from your neck uh It was prototype with a capital p so we don't quite know where we are in you know having uh, this be close, which Andrew brought up another element, begs the question, We have another very buzzy company that might show what they can do this year with with Magic Leap. Uh, we don't quite know whether or not this was hot shotted to show that they have this kind of similar technology. Before another unknown player enters the market,
1: and in in in, in defense of the Clougie demo thing, is often you know they could be months away from having the microchips delivered for the HoloLens. I mean, it could be it could be, and they say they have complete units too, which would be yep. and most likely would be you know one off one thing. So I I'm I'm <laughs> I I am listen. We guys, everybody knows here I'm an Apple fanboy. Everybody knows I'm an Apple. There's yeah, no, well, I,
0: this is the most excited I have genuinely seen, Andrew, about the company Microsoft in here's, the history of our friendship.
1: Here is the thing, but I have always spoken very highly of Microsoft research.
0: Oh, no, that's, that, that is beyond reproach. Their R&D is, is and always has been yeah. sick.
2: Well, yeah. Do My- you, you remember the whole uh, part of the reason they hold, the, they called it the Microsoft Surface was because they wanted to cash in on all the goodwill they had, you know, seven years previous in two thousand and five when they demonstrated what was originally going to be the coffee table Surface thing, and they showed yeah. you dropping your cell phone down and it automatically spitting out the, the the photos. Everybody loved it, and they're like, "Yeah, I might come out someday." We're Microsoft. Whatever.
1: Yeah, what it, 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 I. There. And I follow – by the way, I follow the patents on this too. Years ago, I probably – I've mentioned before. I mean, maybe in conversations. I don't know if ever on the show talking about Microsoft's version of this stuff because you can do the patent search. You can see the stuff they'd filed for Augment. And, and when Oculus was getting attention to Google Glass, when Glass – I was talking about, man, I'm excited to see if Microsoft ever delivers this because this was originally going to be part of their Xbox program. I think it was called like Xbox Wear or VR or something. But anyhow, um, new leadership at Microsoft – you know, and, and part of the way Microsoft ran for years is to understand, like, how, you would, how Microsoft and, let's say, uh, Oracle, who's you know, one of the biggest database systems in the world, made, would make their living. is you go to a corporate customer and you'd sell them a product, you'd say, we have this product, which you're going to have to buy into for millions of dollars and keep paying into for millions of years. And you'd say, uh, you know, Company B uh, doesn't have these features. We have these features. And maybe you have those features or maybe you don't. But you certainly tell them you have those features, right? And then if they buy into you, once they realize those features don't quite work, or aren't quite what they thought, it's too expensive to try to change tact and go to a different company. Not to say that Oracle or Microsoft had ever done that at all, or had but knew that they but knew that there was this that was sort of the hack you could get into that market was it was all about hype and PR. Steve Ballmer, the world's greatest master of. Oh yeah, we've got this, we got that, whatever you need, we got it. We got it. You want it? We got it. You need it? You need it. You know what? You want dancing girls? We got dancing girls. Art software does that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And so that was, you know, part of the process was, oh, don't even bother going to those guys because we've already got what you're gonna need. And it was a way to try to kill their sales momentum by people like, well, Microsoft's getting it too. And here, that's my fear. Is I don't want this to be old Microsoft where they sell you, they tell you they have everything. Remember right after the iPad came out, or the iPhone, they're talking about, oh, yeah, look what we've got. iPad, yeah, look at what our Surface tab, look not pre-Service, look at what our Microsoft tablets do, you know? Right. And it's,
0: yeah, uh, it's th- a full This, this is, but, but this is, I think we can all agree that this is a huge litmus test for Satya Nadella, right? Like, like we, will, we will know more about if his leadership is different than Balmer's based on, on Windows 10 and, and this project. I mean, you know.
2: Windows 10 is. Are, are they doing a Windows 9? Is, are they looking two generations
0: ahead? I mean, if, if it's if they if it's two OS releases Brian, ahead, come on, like no, it's Microsoft. Like the successor to Windows 8 is Windows 10, <laughs> obviously.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, maybe so. If they're already working
2: right now on on Windows 10, then I could see that. No, no, no that's in the that's what it's years. called. Seriously, like okay. there is
0: no. They skip nine. It's now it's ten because they. If you count, see what had what happened was there was some windows before and then like 8 was really just like oh we ate all the competition it wasn't supposed to be like number 8 now it's windows 10
1: yeah they they unveiled their the technical preview 2 days ago the the version 10.0 so like yeah it's it's windows 10 is this year wow yeah. wow so this gizmo should be this year as well Well, remember Brian time frame windows 10 time frame but remember it's still magically 85 versions behind Windows 95.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, man. Does um, it run Lotus Notes? Uh, if, if you want to hit, you need to be able to say flatly what it does in one compelling sentence. Uh, and, and Apple had it. It's the best, what was it? Uh, uh, the best iPod they've ever released, a mobile computing device, and a phone in one. And it's Internet like, communicator. It's the best, yeah, yeah, yeah the that's it. Right.
0: Yeah, the best phone. The best iPad they've ever released, and a internet navigator or c- communicator, communicator is what he called it. Yeah, yeah, communicator,
2: and uh, and and again, like boom, It's like got it, uh, buying it, stood in, li- stood in line, got the T-shirt. Uh, I, I mean, it's like I mean that was that was it, and that's all we thought it was going to do, and we were amazed when they kept releasing new stuff for it. I just don't see what it is for this. I, I th- there needs to be something that they offer.
0: That, the the, uh, the television thing is is compelling though. I mean, like the the problem is if you look at like battery life and stuff like that. But like if we live in a world where you buy your stuff over the air, and I can, you know, watch TV in my living room while Ashley's going to sleep without turning on a TV and having it right there in my ears, and I can switch off or, or go check my email like simultaneously on the wall and stuff like that. Like, you know, that that's interesting. You know, I, I think it it, it is. To me, a compelling center of the Venn diagram of the promise of Oculus Rift and the the promise of Google Glass.
2: Ooh, man, I don't know because you're seeing through it at all times, right? So it's like... Uh Oculus Rift, I get. That is an experience I cannot have any other way is complete and utter immersion into another space. And, and I don't... before that, I could see myself buying an Oculus Rift. This is I, I'd hate to say it, but this feels mushy middle. It's like it does everything you do on your computer right now,
1: but crap floats. Here's the thing. We don't know, like in the case of Magic Leap. We don't know what it's really going to do, but like Magic Leap, you look through this, look through this goggles and you see the real world. Then you see things like little baby elephants in the palm of your hand, according to their demo. But what Magic Leap has a patent on is the idea that there's an LCD shutter built into there. So whatever it's being superimposed from on, the shutter closes. So in theory, Magic Leap could go totally immersive. You All know, right. could, it could yeah, go shutter out point. everything.
0: Well, I, I do think that there is a room for both, you know, in, in the same way that. Uh, you know, I don't always, but what to me it's, it is, I'm on the other side of you on on this, Brian. Like I I don't necessarily want to be fully immersed. Like to be fully immersed means I have to take myself out of, of the world. And as somebody who doesn't really play video games and, and is very conscious and paranoid about whether or not I am not being productive, uh, that always kind of scares me like this as being an overlay, a smart overlay uh you know uh, through my vision if the battery is all right if the price is good if it actually runs and demos as smoothly as it's showing and not herky jerky stutter because this very easily can fall into the uncanny valley yeah uh then that's something i I think i'm you know I i would like to walk around the house with i would like to uh you know do my web browsing i would like to do uh you know other stuff uh with something like man, this, man, I'll
2: tell you what, man. Okay, you ready for this? Uh, here is the yeah, killer. Like <laughs> uh, uh, picture <laughs> this. Now, now, right now, what we saw was everything uh, demoed with Microsoft products, which makes sense. But think about niche marketing to this. Think about uh, selling this to bodyguards and bouncers who sit there at the club wearing this, scanning faces, registering, seeing names. Uh, cops. Wearing these, uh, that
0: uh, – Well, that,
1: that, that's going to be a big part of wearable. And that's kind of what Google Glass should have been doing because you know, we don't need the full thing there. And, and that's certainly – I think we – there's so much money being spent on wearables because of those applications you just described. But I'm, think, I'm like imagine we put these things on and we go to the park to play Minecraft with blocks that are bigger than we are. You know,
2: well, and plus, also, it's like we might look dorky in that we're wearing visors, but but and and waving our hands around. But it's like it's not like we're running around. I guess we might run around at some point. But it's like you know, basically standing in the park. um, Yeah, man. Actually, you don't look nearly as dorky as you think wearing the wearing an Oculus. It just
0: looks gigantic.
1: Yeah, Um, it looks massive. Yeah. Anyhow, please continue. Don't be (laughs) distracted by my (laughs) Oculus. This is the world. Get ready. Get ready. This is the future of the Weird Things podcast, guys. It'll be
2: all of us doing this. Man, it's yeah. almost like you're like playing virtual weird things is awesome. It's
0: almost like we're doing weird things. Uh, just imagine how awesome frisbee golf could be if you could overlay it. Now you're now one holes on the
1: sand, one holes on the in the polar ice caps, like. What I what I dig about the what Microsoft showed us is that it's a self contained. Where this Oculus the Rift, I've got to plug this into my PC. Now mm-hmm. I've got to do that. Now we've had we've shown the things where you can just drop your smartphones into and all that, which are and I think that's the really untethering things is going to be the future. But of course, the advantage of a PC is you can use much faster processors. But just let me throw something on my head and be able to do this. But as you mentioned, like this, like you're talking about the golf, like imagine like. If you know, would I wear something this dorky and go to the park and play putt putt golf in the most amazing putt putt golf course that we could imagine? That over absolutely, I can think of. I can think of lots of games and stuff like that that I would want to play with this. I can think of the idea that you know, for me. uh I'm sold, guys. I'm sold. I'm wow. ready. I'm ready to wipe rip out that checkbook and start writing checks. You know, if if Microsoft delivers what they show here, I'm putting a Microsoft decal on my car. Wow. wow. damn. <laughs> Next to the
0: Surely apple. OP will deliver. <laughs>
2: <laughs> OP most certainly does not have a history of of teasing and then failing to deliver. I'll tell I,
0: you Oh, I, go ahead. At, at the same time though, you know, so I was I went to I got into a back and forth with my buddy uh Steve Kovac works for Business Insider. He wrote a, a, a story basically about the narrative shift between Balmer and and Satya Nadella. And it's because of the goodwill that Satya Nadella has started out with and his, his first moves of being a company that like let's not worry about whether we get Office first on Surface. Let's just get it out to iPad so people are more inside the Microsoft ecosystem, which is something that Balmer was loath to do. That now, this coming out, HoloLens, has been reacted to differently than it would if Balmer was up there sweating bullets, uh, screaming about how amazing it is. Uh, I I think it is an amazing time for Microsoft. Steve made the point that it was almost like watching Apple in the late 90s, which I think is a uh, a, a little bit too much hyperbole. For me, uh, And it's just hard to kind of identify those metaphors. But uh, this could be – I mean, listen, a- Andrew has been somebody that has been rightfully critical. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations for years about Microsoft as a company. And it's got him excited. It's got me excited. I- I'm very curious to see it. The biggest problem to me is battery life you know cuz like we we're, we're seeing what estimates on the apple watch battery life are which i don't know how much we should read into but for something like that what what are what are the processing on power it? i mean tell me the apple watch at least lasts a day right right now it's all it's all rumors right and and uh the the rumors seem to suggest that it it if on heavy use it might be redlining at at a day but who knows cuz apple's also been fairly prolific about leaking stories, uh, you know, to, to batten down expectations on things like battery life and price before coming out and saying that it's going to be better than we expect. Now, I know so, – who knows?
2: Yeah, real quick side, Jag. Uh, I know neither of you guys are, are current users of any kind of uh, uh, e-watch or whatever. Uh, uh, I have it so bad with my Pebble now. That uh, whenever we shoot scam school, I always wear um, this Tokyo Flash Kisei watch, which is, uh, I like it just because it is ambiguous and nobody could tell what kind of watch it is, because I'm so very aware that five years from now, this is going to look like, you know, I have a Palm Pilot strapped to my wrist. It's going to look <laughs> ridiculous. But, as, as we, yes, exactly. As we uh, uh, went to the shoot, I realized that I couldn't even handle. 3 or 5 hours without the the uh, detached without you know knowing what messages are coming in without looking at my phone that uh, I actually wore two watches right up until the point that we would shoot and I would take off the pebble watch and just wear the other one I mean it's astonishing how it does become part of your augmented uh, sensation you know you just uh you know you feel your pocket buzz and it n- it never occurs to me to pull out my phone now I just wait uh, the extra two seconds until my wrist buzz and then I look and see as far as the word Twitter and then I then I'd like oh, I'll read it later or if I see you know um, you know important email I read as far as you know the name of who sent it and a bit of the subject heading and it tells me whether or not I need to deal with it right now,
1: it's it's it'll be interesting to see how the rest of us you know adopt that or fit into that. I I'm I'm so bullish on augmented reality because it is. Uh, you know, And Sony pointed out Werner Vinge's book, uh, Rainbow's End, or Vinge, uh, Rainbow's End, which talks about like it's a big part of it, people using augmented reality, re- reality, stepping outside of their houses and using things to interact. It becomes a whole other layer between uh, interfacing. And it, and it doesn't mean it's not, it's not like it's exclusive to one thing or another. I think the potential is just – because I, I see where it progresses. Eventually, the glasses get smaller, 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 smaller. And then they go away as we talk about using retinal scanning and devices that project from across the room. Other things eventually, you know, soft neural patches on the back of your head. This is where you really start to watch the interface disappear and it just becomes us in the internet and us in information.
0: So the internet will disappear? It will become us.
1: We will become it.
2: Hey, you know what won't disappear? 409 what? patrons contributing uh, almost two-thirds of our goal of $1,000 an episode. We're up to 632, people. If you dig yeah. weird things, if you dig the fact that we are regular, we're on the regular. We're like coffee drinkers showing up at uh, at, at the, the toilets at 10 a.m. every day. <laughs> uh, we're, we're super regular now, and that's because we're trying to court you guys into crossing <coughs> over and becoming one of our regular patrons. You can help support Weird Things by heading on over to patreon.com slash Things. That's Patreon, p a t r e o n. dot com slash weird things. Thanks to all you guys.
1: We really appreciate it. One of the first things we're able to do is bring on board Bryce, aka Neshcom. Um, you know, it's been great. Like we getting we're getting like notes and stuff, and like you know doing this. We've, we've booked our first big guest, Chris Taylor. It's gonna be actually broadcasting, I think, in the same room as Justin. He's coming to he's coming to the Oakland studios. Oh, that's
2: awesome. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh he he had the option to either do it over Skype or or come on out to Oakland and he's coming out to Oakland. That's gonna so, make such uh, a difference. February eighth, our February eighth episode. Uh, a, we will be live and direct.
1: Remember when you wrote that book about Star Wars? <laughs> Hey, do me a favor. can you ask George
0: Lucas in the in episode two what is the density of the rock that Anakin Remember <laughs> <laughs> he wrote that book on sorts that was awesome <laughs> no I know for how much we've talked about the, that book man like it's definitely gonna be just an embarrassing uh, uh you know an embarrassing situation, which is why you guys can. Email us your Star Wars questions through JustinRobertYoung at gmail.com because uh, it, be, it will be locked and loaded all Star Wars all the time for, for that episode. That's for sure.
1: The title of the book again is How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. And uh highly recommend you go ahead and check out the book, um, read it. It's wonderful, and then ask questions. Remember, he's, he didn't make Star Wars, right? This is a journalist no. covering Star Wars and Phantom. So, well,
2: but 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 in the definitive style. And oh, uh, what was awesome? One of my favorite post-reading the book moments was uh, reaching out uh, the guy who does Belated Media, who uh, speculated what if what if Episode One was good, had a runaway, you know, half million or a million views on that. Uh, lays out really the same plot, but just you know, eliminates little bits and pieces, nips and tucks, expands on some stuff, and it sounds like an amazing version of, of Episode One um uh he didn't realize that he was name checked in the book and it was oh, really? awesome to reach out to him on twitter we had him on nsfw back in yep, the day yep. and it was cool to be all like hey have you read this book he's like oh i've been meaning to you. i'm like yeah you're directly name checked in it and he's like bah! so it's cool I, I really liked the uh the post prequel uh internet rage segment of the book and how he handled it specifically oh <laughs> they can never be unmade oh, so they'll be I'm there sorry. forever
1: I'm looking at, like, Google Glass and eyewear and stuff here. Um, All right, we're doing a show. All right, sorry. (laughs) I want the future now. Guys, I want the future so bad I have a brilliant plan, and it may be another level we add to on our Patreon. Uh-oh. Go ahead. What's this? All right. Let's let's get ready for this. All right, here's my idea. All right? Now, you know you can go to space camp if you're an adult, right? Uh, Yeah, I went to space camp as a
2: kid. I ran across my space camp notebook last week, and uh, it was adorable.
1: Well, you can also go as a grown-up, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know that.
2: I think they call it Space Academy when you're, when you're a grown-up. And you actually learn when – when, when, when you're a young kid, there was Space Camp, there was Space Academy, and then there's like Adult Space Academy. Um, I, uh, it, it was cool. It was cool to get back there, and I had a show in the area, and the guy who brought me in uh, worked, worked – or his, his wife or girlfriend worked at the Space Camp and uh, uh, got to see it all
1: again. It's awesome. Well, this has nothing to do with that. This is a bigger, better vision. Oh, sorry. So imagine, imagine, if you will, that we are going to go to Mars, sending people to Mars. Okay. All right. Here's the thing. Like, to get to Mars, like, best case scenario, you're on board your your Mars, your Mars rocket six months or so before you get to Mars. And then you get to Mars. What do you expect to be at Mars? You know? It's like I, just, I was just at Disney. Disney's amazing, right? Disney's fun. You stay at Disney hotels. You walk around Disney. It's all that. Mars ain't Disneyland. Okay? Nope. Mars right now is – Breaking in- news,
0: y'all. <laughs> Truth bomb. Mars ain't Disney World. No, Boom. right
1: now it's an inhospitable frozen rock with almost no atmosphere. One stars on, on Mars. Yelp. You're going to live in a can. <laughs> First to get there, you've got to survive six months in this environment, six months whatever in a spacecraft cramped up. In, you, know, you know, imagine like taking a cross-country trip with your family and your in-laws and everybody else. Okay, imagine being stuck in there for six months in an RV you can't get out of.
2: Uh, and then, and then landing. So finally, you're in a slightly larger RV that you still can't get out of.
1: Yeah, you're living inside of basically an oil derrick. Okay, that is what Mars will be like. You know, we think about Mars. We kind of, and then when we terraform Mars, well, from here to there might be longer than we all live. So might Mars be. for us is is going to be inside one tin can, inside a slightly bigger tin can, then maybe hopefully, really best case scenario within our lifetimes assuming not some sort of you know star trek two genesis bomb technology that you know terraforms a planet using unstable weird matter whatever i forget the plot point is <laughs> um, what would mars be like and i have i have a thought on this one of the most exciting places that we could live on mars might be lava tubes
2: what like we- hollow you, you, oh this is this is back with your fetish for ins- living inside of um uh, asteroids, right?
1: You're saying we could seal off some lava tubes and have underground <laughs> caves and stuff. Yeah, Mar. If you're one, if you want to live on Mars, okay. Do you want to live in a tin can or do you want some big, spacious Genesis cave looking place? Where do you want to live? Well,
2: you, no, no, no. I mean, you we'll I think we'll all all you're right. Travel in tubes, <laughs> tube technology. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, I'm I'm actually 100 percent on board. I, I guess it just never occurred to me that there's geologically that many opportunities. But is there? I guess we need to start sending down space thumpers to. To give us an echo to find out where the caves be at.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in finding the sandworms. There is <laughs> uh, one of the places we think. That, apparently, we think that Mars, Mars had geological activity. We know that there are lava tubes there. In nineteen, excuse me, in 2010, a group of seventh grade science students at Evergreen Middle School in Cottonwood, California. Helped researchers discover a new series of lava tubes near the Pavonis Mons. Through they found what you call a skylight is where it break you know something breaks through the surface into an underground cavern. cavern. and this was, uh, 190 by 160 meters across. Okay, big huge opening into the ground. It's wow. the only second one they found with that. And that's volcano.
2: that's just the opening in there. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. talk about how deep it goes or what what kind of caverns it it reaches into. Yeah. So, So I mean, imagine this, though, Uh, like all of a sudden that drastically reduces the infrastructure costs because then you you, you throw, let's say, uh, a, a five football field sized dome over the entrance of it. You you make a park, you know that's your Central Park where you can go outside, get some air, throw some, play some frisbee golf, uh, run around with your Microsoft gizmos on, and then and then you get inside, and then once you're inside, I mean I can't imagine it's that different from living in Manhattan uh, if if you got uh, a few miles of tubes down there.
1: So if you take a look, type in Martian lava tube and look up the Wikipedia. The first image you get is a uh, hand drawn illustration of what. One of these things could look like, and you 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 see to there. We uh, um, want to click on that. The longitudinal cross section of uh, the other one no, above that.
2: Okay, here we go. I'll back it up right here. Um, back
1: it up. So you see there. Now they talk about the sky. You can see the opening. So the one opening we saw is you know nearly you know five hundred six hundred feet across. Huge, 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 huge opening, and at least three hundred fifty feet deep. Right. So if we want to build something if we if there are mile long tunnels, big long, long long tunnels as you point out, that's where we start building it. You know, we start building there. It's already been excavated. We know it's reasonably stable because it's been like that for millions of years. Seal them off and boom. That's amazing. Party time, baby. Like,
2: uh, I, what's what's funny is you just vastly accelerated my expectations of when it would be possible to live on Mars. Like uh, I uh, for all of his talk, you know, I I there, there, there were so many what I felt to be uh, insurmountable infrastructure costs that I just couldn't understand how Elon Musk's vision of us living on on Mars could happen. However, like really, all you got to do is send down a couple of pop tents, uh, pop them on each end of this tube. You got you, uh, pressurize the whole thing. You land. You just keep you know chucking, chucking uh, tools down, and you could almost live off the land. You could probably excavate and find minerals and actually
1: build stuff out of it in there. What you have is that, remember, one of the biggest problems you have on Mars because it's such a thin atmosphere is radiation. You're going to want to live under, you're going to need to live under a bunch of rock. You're not going to want to live in a thin RV unless you want to get cancer. So you're going to need very, very thick rock overhead to protect you until we create some atmosphere and figure out how to, you know, get a magnetosphere going. But anyhow, you're going to be living in rock and uh, either whether it's something you pile a bunch of dirt on top of what you are, whatever. But if you start building inside of these lava tubes, you've got very, very, if they match, you know how big they are on Earth, you know there are very, I mean, very yeah. long, long lava tubes on earth, and that 's going to be an exciting thing is to be a martian caver
2: I, well and and you realize i mean you made the joke about arrakis and sandworms, but this is how, in the book dune the the, the, the fremen live is they live underground, and in order to go on the surface, they have to put on a still suit because it 's so hot, you know dry, and inhospitable, like essentially, you could move to Mars and become a real life fremen. Uh, from from the the book and movie Dune,
1: that is right. a sales pitch. Yeah, there you go. And your eyes will turn blue. Tell me yeah. you're home. So is when is it? Uh, if you were living the Fremen life, you'd be home now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so here's so, my plan.
2: Wait, re- real quick. The the second photo that we're seeing is sort of a cross section of it, and it and it points to a lava pond, which of course I assume is now dormant. So does that indicate that it's very likely already flat in the center of the lava tube uh, across a lot of it? Or likely? I do not know. I mean, that's I what the picture... The, according to this drawing I found on <laughs> According to a drawing on the internet.
0: <laughs>
1: that's um, amazing. It's possible. I don't know. You know I, I don't know enough to know about geology, let alone Martian geology, to tell you what would happen there. But what I'm just saying is all I want to present to you, right, first step one is to say, listen, lava tubes, lava tubes might be an exciting place to live, right? We want to explore them. We want to see what's going on there. Second thing is... I'm thinking we go get some place in the desert. We build ourselves a Mars camp. And this is the way it works. First, you spend a couple days inside of a contained, sealed environment so you get an idea what a trip to Mars is like. Yeah. That's something like how do we send people to Mars? You know what we're going to do? Like, oh, we're going to put you inside of a sealed up thing for a couple of weeks before we put you on board our spaceship and risk you going crazy and you know, murdering everybody. That will be step one. Then we're going to put you in start Mars training. We're going to take you, we're going to take put you inside this small container for a long time. Then we're going to take you to maybe a very smaller, you know, little sealed in, you know, environment. You'll spend a couple days there and go stir crazy. And then finally, we let you into our beautiful Mars lava tube that's flush with with sunlight. Greenery plant waters life. And yeah
2: imagine imagine how lush and green it could be if you if you covered the walls with moss and you had artificial light everywhere, and it just felt like you were in a a, 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 a some kind of like fairy hollow.
1: Uh, and we'll uh, build a rainforest
2: yeah no and th- th- there ain't no reason you can't have an entire section that's just constantly uh, uh dripping rain and uh and beautiful plant fly i mean it can't to be honest you get it wide enough to throw some artificial light some some uh, p- uh pumps that run water up and down have it rain every 15 minutes uh, uh the canopy is pretty much covered you you could barely see the artificial light above it you know th- uh, what uh, 30 or 40 meters up above there ain't no reason that can't really feel well, we can, like you're can, in a real life
1: uh, uh, yeah, we could pipe in. I mean, we could actually pipe in real light. Um, we pipe in real light from above because we have the sun that's providing there. So we use, uh, you know, mirrors, whatever. We guide real light into there. could have collectors, whatever. So we could build light systems. That's 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 our challenge to this generation. Start designing. How would you live there? We could create, in theory, if we have enough water, a real ecosystem where we don't have to keep it going. Now, in Florida, Monkey Jungle, which Justin and I had the awesome privilege of going to go visit once. Um, and visit with the monkeys who are now our friends, they have a forest that was once an actual rainforest. What makes a rainforest a rainforest is that it rains all the time. There's enough condensation and, and humidity that the rain, it, co- it collects in the leaves and it falls back down, and you have a constant state of precipitation. That's what makes a rainforest a rainforest. And what could happen on Mars is maybe we try to build something like that, or just, but yeah, we could absolutely build very, very lush. Who knows how fast bamboo will grow on Mars because it's, One third the gravity, but Uh, it looked like it looked like Justin had something he wanted to say. Not tubes, canyons.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking, if you're somebody for whom wants to live on Mars at some point, you would be making yourself tremendously qualified by creating and going through these kind of camp environments. You are preparing yourself, the likes of which nobody else on the planet uh would would be doing this is a this is a huge opportunity how fast if we set up one of these do you think we could get elon musk to to sign up because i'm thinking it's like five minutes
2: Uh, like to spend how long a weekend or a or
0: a a (laughs) a lifetime homeboy's like i i i i want to live on mars we're giving you the opportunity to prep yourself homeboy
2: so one of the things that Kim Stanley Robinson proposes in his Mars trilogy, uh, uh, Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars, is that uh, in, in the – over the course as they kind of figure out you know, an economy on Mars you know, because you start off with scientists who are – they're exploring and at some point they become colonists and at some point they have to figure out, well, how do we measure contributions and stuff? And there's kind of a socialist wing and a capitalist wing as you can imagine. Uh, and, uh, but, but they sort of settle on this, everyone has to make a contribution. Uh and one of the valid contributions is the idea of the role of the eco-poet, people who would just try things, you know, see if they could possibly like, you know, well my job is to try to create, you know, a forest here and uh you know, this is all above surface, but man, I think you're hundred percent right. I, I think trying to do anything on this surface is 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 dumb for Gen one. I mean, I say I say, let's, let's be awesome cave, uh, uh, m- well, I, I, I think it's
1: belunking beyond Earth. I mean, <laughs> Earth, Gen Earth, 1, Earth. you're gonna have surveyors, tons of people going out there, seeing what resources are mapping riverbed sediments, things like that, getting an idea what's there, understanding how much moisture, water, all that's available to figure out the long term. You know, when we walk into SpaceX, there are two photos right on the wall one is Mars as it is now, the red, dusty planet. The other one is Mars that's green and lush, showing you what it would look like if you took all that water and you made it into lakes and rivers. And this is a huge problem. We don't know how to get there. We have speculated. We don't know how to get there. We can get there. But from here to there, there's a lot of other interesting things that happen. And I think a big part of that is going to be these, these lava tubes living inside of there, living in these Martian canyons. We call them Martian canyons. That's what I'm saying. You know, who Martian wants to live canyons. in a tube? Not me. Who wants to live in a Martian canyon? Yeah, it's sealed on the top. <laughs> yeah, to protect you from the death rays of the sun. But think about this: when <laughs> you go inside that, when you're inside of that tube and you seal that tube and you fill it up with air, you step on the ground. You're touching Martian soil.
2: So the uh, uh, you're
1: touching Martian soil, the Brian. Freakonomics, the the, the the
2: Freakonomics podcast. You did take it. off your clothes and you roll around.
0: <laughs> you're like Mars. Mars. Set, Mars, set, up, we're set up that chain net. Grab the frisbee. We're ready to go on on
2: the Freakonomics podcast. They had uh, the editor in chief of uh, Wired magazine on, and they asked him. Yeah, they have kind of a standard set of questions, and one of the questions they ask is like, "How does the human race end?" And uh, his answer was that you know we evolve. Just he said we never end. We just evolve into something unrecognizable as humans. But uh, he was also asked like, "What is the one technology that would make the biggest difference in the next you know uh, however many years?" And he and he immediately it, w- it was clear that he had thought about it. He was like he was like fusion. Wait, who is what was this? Uh, uh, the Freakonomics podcast, Freakonomics oh, okay. Radio. Who do they talk to? Uh, they talk to the editor-in-chief of uh, – uh, they have some other name than editor, but it's the guy, the, the guy in charge of Wired Magazine. He was oh, one Chris of the guys – uh,
1: Like another Chris Anderson? I uh,
2: think. Yeah, wait, what? The Chris Anderson? Chris okay, Anderson. Okay, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. No, he was the one who wrote God, the free I Man, write. I want to
2: say I, it started with Ks. It was two Ks. Uh, I'm sure I could look at it if I, if I looked on the thing. In fact, let me go ahead and check it real quick. Uh, freak. Let's take a Is look. Is this your pick, by the way? Um, no, I actually have a different pick that I'm really excited. Kevin Kelly. That's who they interviewed, uh, Kevin Kelly. And, uh, 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 you know, he's one of those old guys who worked on the, uh, what was it, the, whole, earth, the whole earth catalog, part of the old yeah. hippie, hippie, you know, the cross-section of, of hippie and hacker culture. But he mentioned as if it was just literally around the corner, you know, fusion, how it would be just a fundamentally uh, life-changing technology. All of a sudden we don't care about coal or, or, or oil for, for whatever. But it seems like if that's the case, like that's the kind of thing that could make possible if you had fusion technology on Mars – and you're just suddenly, you know, just all the the, the little miniature artificial suns, sunlight as far as the eye could see, uh, growing real last plants on uh, on Mars.
1: I mean, I it
2: seems like that could happen astonishingly quickly.
1: Maybe I mean, there's there's uh, when you start looking at what it would take to how much energy it's going to take to melt the permafrost and the water to create an atmosphere there and all. I mean, there's people doing calculations on that and it's, it is a law It is just, you know, available energy produced by the sun period, whatever fusion is going to be a great part of it, but it's not a overnight as we understand things right now. And then in, in, I think antimatter, all these other things are also great ideas, but they're just ideas right now, you know, and, and to, b- before we wait for those things to be fully formed and delivered to us, let's keep asking questions and pushing the limits with what we know now.
2: Absolutely. Um, So my pick is. um, Hang on, let me uh, run plug in this time. There we go. Uh, My pick is an Amazon original series that I liked when I watched it at first, and grew to love as I thought back on it all day long. It is astonishingly good. I hope, hope, hope it's the one that, uh, or you know, hopefully they got a lot of quality stuff, and that it's just one of many things that gets uh, gets picked up. Um, it 's uh, the man in the high Castle, a uh, based on the Philip K. dick property um, uh, in which it 's postulated what if Germany and uh, Japan had won World War II It takes place in the mid '60s and uh, uh, they 've divvied up the uh, American Continent into uh, a uh, you know everything west of the Rockies belongs to the Japanese, everything east of the Rockies belongs to the Germans, and it is astonishing. It's art design, the costuming, the uh, the, the 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 blend of Americana and. Uh, like, just like, what are you going to do? you got to have papers to travel. And uh, you, you, the, the, the fact that the police are wearing this fusion, this armband that's a fusion of the American uh, stripes, and, uh, and, and, and uh, on the blue field you see the swastika, it's chilling and haunting, and it's a visual treat. Uh, and I, I cannot say enough about it. I'm going to go back and watch it again. I still – it's so good that uh, per our previous conversations, Justin – i mm-hmm. i as much as i all i want to do is run out and read the book now but i am refusing to do so for fear of learning something like i want to have the game of thrones experience i wish i could have with this yeah. story in that i don't know where it goes or what happens because what's amazing from the first episode is it's not you don't see any of the the, the greatest hits from world war ii you you, you see hitler as an old man on a television in the background of one shot, and the conversation is about like, yeah, man, old man's gonna die. Pretty sure he's got Parkinson's, and because yeah. he's about to call, he's about to be out of the picture, the the story is not about like how we sucked it to those Germans. It's it's about the looming war between the the Pacific and 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 the Germans. I mean, it's I don't know, it's it's amazing. It's like it's not even a question about about the U.S. <laughs> rising up or whatever.
1: Like that's settled. Yeah. This is about who's gonna win. the the the, the, the Japs are the Crowds. I watched it last night. What did you think? I wish I had your enthusiasm. <laughs> oh, really? Dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. Um, um, I, I did not dislike it. Let me make that very clear. Uh, I had started reading the book years ago and read part of it, and then I put it down and everyone went back to it. and Because like, some Philip K. Dick I love, and some Philip K. Dick, I'm like, all right, he was really high. <laughs> um, I... I one, I wish Amazon had given them more money, so they could have spent more on the blue screen and stuff like that, so i wasn't distracted by how cheap so much of it looked. Um, you know there's scenes where they're walking across the street and stuff like that, and it felt like iron sky. It felt like it was shot in a basement kind of thing huh. um, i i I don 't want to get into spoilers or something, but there you know there's a thing that happened early on I go, okay, this is cool if they don't do this." And then like oh, they did this, so that was just a cheap writer's excuse to try to you know not make you suspect of something um i i want i mean listen i <laughs> wow <laughs> I, I i i just I want this to, I,
0: wanted, it, I just I, want man in the high castle i want it dot 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 i mean. <laughs> dot, dot,
1: dot, I, dot, 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 and I wanted man. to go to series. I wanted to go to series. I want, because I was excited because of the people involved in it. You know, like, you know, these are like from X-Files guys and some other people, some Rinswood stuff. I I just wish, like, my, my frustration with the Amazon process is they go out there and they give people a certain amount of money to go do a pilot. And then they're like, yeah, and then we'll see if you get to go do this or whatever. Versus the HBO model or the Netflix model, which is find a director, find somebody you believe in. And deliver that. Make that happen. Maybe you get a John from Cincinnati every now and then. But ultimately, I'm a much, much bigger believer in because, you know, I want to see what these guys would have done if they'd had a full season budget. If they'd had that budget. Because I don't know how much of it was just the choices they had to make to sort of satisfy – because, you know, Amazon wants to do everything very, very cheap. And and I think there's potential there. And, hey, listen, I'm a big fan of Amazon. And and I I just was like, ah, parts of this just look like – uh, I don't know, I was
0: and they they got i mean listen they they've they they've got the the uh the best drama or is it comedy strapped now with, with transparent like yeah you know, they've
1: made like, everybody aware of that, made
2: everybody aware of that. uh yeah, well, it's still my pick, and you're not taking
1: it away from me <laughs> like, I'm glad no, Brian, no, Brian, wrong, pick again, pick again what about what I about guess, you I' watched it last night with somebody, and this was we had this and we are talking about it, we were like, yeah, wow. I mean, it's such a cool concept. It would be cool. But then it was like, you know, I'm not even going to hold the VFX stuff against it for how some of them just look so cheap. But it was just like, I'm like, well, at the end of it, like, I'm like, well, this character, there's nothing intrinsically interesting about them because, you know, there's, I don't know. I uh, mean, the bad guy yeah, is just
2: uh, – Man, I, I'll tell you what. Of all the things that I'm gushing about, character, you're right. Characters are not one of them. However, like the art design, the set design I thought was extraordinary. Like that, the meeting uh, – the, the uh, some of the cinematography, like the meeting where um, – uh, w- between the, the ambassadors from Japan and the – Brian, the tell films. me
1: tell me a cool thing you liked where the swastika didn't appear. Uh, uh, uh,
2: uh, uh, oh, um, when that whole – I thought the whole scene – When they're in the bathroom. No, uh, I <laughs> <laughs> thought the whole scene – Toilet paper justin no no, no I, uh, I, yeah, I I thought the whole scene with the uh, the changing of the uh tire with that friendly old cop was uh was
0: utterly yeah and there, bu- and was there's a cool, brilliant
1: and there's a cool moment that gets totally destroyed by what happens later on though too though you're like oh and then you're like oh um i i I want this universe. I want to see this universe. I want to see this universe. No, I don't really want this universe. We're Nazis. Let me make it very clear. Look at the like imperialists. I don't I want
0: Welcome head. our new overlord. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I want this to succeed. I really, really want to succeed. I want them to get the money and the budget and the resources to really, really, really pull what pull it off. I'm excited that there's enthusiasm for it. Looking at purely what I saw, though, I'm like, uh, but I digress.
2: Well, that's just like, you know, your opinion,
1: man. Your opinion what about you, Justin?
0: Uh, wait, is Andrew's pick talking about man? Of the
1: Castle? <laughs> I'll give you my pick. Like, like, cause I got like, I watched a maze runner last night. I'm like the first third of it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And then I'm like, wow, this is where I see why this succeeded as a book. And it's going to have, they're going to maze runner too. But I'm like, man, I see that where the writer just sort of wrote in all these sort of little conventions here to sort of pull the thing forward. Cause they had a premise and nowhere to go. Uh, as far as I understood it, but anyhow, um, uh thank you for the quote there that Andrew Maine wishes we lost World War II. <laughs> Who says we didn't, guys? Um, so uh uh I'm gonna have to do a Seth Rogan retreat. Hey, my grandfather fought World War II. You know, that's become that's become the big thing now. You say something, you know, insensitive or whatever, and like you have to retreat it. Uh I saw Unbroken. Yeah, I, how was it? I what's that? How what how was it? It was certainly very Unbroken. heavily
2: adver- advertised, yeah.
1: I really, really, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed Unbroken. I thought it was a really good story. You got to look at it. it's, you know, it's a small story about one guy surviving and making it through. It's, it's an amazing story in there. Um, the The part of his story, this is a guy who's a World War II. Uh, he's uh, on a plane. I forget if he was the the bombardier on a on you know in the World War II. They get they're plane gets lost at sea and he's he's set adrift in the ocean for something like 47 days with other guys and how they survive is amazing and i'm going to give you a spoiler alert for the next 45 seconds right now okay
2: okay
1: the most amazing sequence i've ever seen in a movie right now is they get they're constantly being battered by sharks and at one point a guy reaches into the water grabs a shark by its tail yanks it into the boat where they promptly jump on it beat it up and kill it and then eat it Oh, that's
2: amazing.
1: I that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen in a movie ever. Ever. I watched that. I'm like, this movie wins. Like, it doesn't matter if these guys die at sea. You want it life, guys. You want it life. So you see Uh, the sharks? And
0: this uh, directed by Angelina Jolie?
1: Up and coming new person to Hollywood named Angelina Jolie. I think it may be a woman. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's you rad. I, what's funny is, like, they,
2: I, I don't know. They hammered so hard on the advertising. I'm like, yes, yes, uh, heartfelt, you know, drama, overcoming adversity, or whatever. Uh, it 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 felt like it wore so many of the trappings of a cliche that I, I didn't really give it a chance. Um, it, it, it's you know, funny because the,
0: the, so the marketing really, really lingers on the prison camp stuff.
1: Like, it, yeah, it's that, kind that's of a like part of it. I mean, it's 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 his his journey to that, and the and the and they're part of it before he gets to the before he gets to the Japanese internment camp, which. By the way, a bit of propaganda here. I'm sure that it wasn't as bad as no, it was horrible. Oh uh,
2: wait, hold on. It says it's written by Joel and Ethan Cohen.
1: They wrote the screenplay for this. Yes, the the final draft of the screenplay. Yeah, right based on. on the true story of uh, Peter Zamparelli, who was an Olympic athlete who then went on to uh, have to go to a Japanese prison camp. And it's it's a very it's his story. Very much, I went. You know, most of it seems to be very much based in fact and truth. And so you realize, like, this is. This is a true story. You know, wow. the, the, the stuff holds up and the things that happened to them. He had an extremely cruel guard there, ended up being one of like MacArthur's list of forty war criminals that he had to endure. So uh it's a very heartfelt story. I enjoyed it. I think that I think Angelina Jolie is really growing as a director and you know may join the ranks of Affleck and Eastwood, people who just their the directing skills alone speak well. Wow, that's awesome.
0: Uh my pick is uh, we Have Concerns, the podcast, oh, that yeah. our friends Anthony Carboni and Jeff Canata uh, do. I've been listening to uh, a bunch of the episodes driving back and forth to Orlando, and I can confirm that they are still funny and insightful. Uh, it's, it, I'll tell you, it, it, I think we've talked about it before, so I won't dwell on it, but uh, it's just a really cool idea. They do three episodes uh, a week, and they're all about like 30 minutes or so even Uh, shorter like they
2: try to keep them 20 to 25 i think
0: yeah like but it's really red like there's kind of whenever i come back to it uh there's just always a big pile of them and they're really fun and bite-sized and and they're great both of them are just great personalities so well and i'll tell you what man they are wicked fast
2: on there i mean this thing moves and they they slip into uh improv scenes and out of it seamlessly and uh uh, I, I, I mean, they don't waste your time, man. They get right to the point. They get right to, I mean, to be honest, it's a, it's a fairly excellent companion podcast to what we do here on The Weird Things. You know, Weird Things, we take a rather leisurely speculative journey, yeah. but, uh, but, they, but they're, they're just in and punchy and out. Uh,
0: and I don't know, no one said anything, but I'll just say, if there were future episodes, if we have concerns that had my voice on them, that might be interesting.
1: I think Karen's going to happen, so why bring it up, Justin? Just, it'll never happen. So we'll see. Well, gentlemen. Apparently it's been very long and tedious and not short and concise like <laughs> Apparently we're not like this other special podcast that just gets in and gets out and does it right where we meander and we take our time. Well,
0: I like to think we're luxurious. Like in the sense you're not living in tubes, you're living in a canyon. Right?
1: <laughs> Martian canyon, man. You know, maybe maybe we're more open minded here. Maybe that's a fault that we want to take our time to speculate about a Nazi run America. Is that so wrong?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, man. But your, your your artistic vision is disrespecting the beautiful idea of a Nazi and, and Japanese run America. Yeah,
1: <laughs> don't be so racist. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been weird.